Hello and welcome to the Old Man Orange Podcast, where we do another Old Man Orange Presents episode of Via VHS. Let's jump on in and see what movie we're talking about this time. So this week on Via VHS, Spencer and I are taking you to the suck zone. We're doing Twister. <clears throat> All right, so... <laughs> so <laughs> I, I love that because it ties into like they originally had this idea for Twist that they're like you know what we're gonna put this on the posters like it sucks and it's just like then they thought they probably had that idea for like a moment with like man this could be wait a second what if the movie bobs like they're just gonna be like told you it, it said it sucked right when you walked in what were you expecting <laughs> that's oh, like one of those ones that would only work if you had like a real like in joke to kind of go with it you know what I mean like I feel yeah. like you can't take a serious movie and put it sucks right on the cover no you can't um, it might have worked for it with this one but <laughs> um, only a Philip Seymour Hoffman's delivering it but um, yeah he, he probably could have delivered it you know when it sucks it blows kind of thing oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway uh we're um <clears throat> so this week we're talking Twister, nineteen ninety six, um, directed by Jean de Blanc. Am, am I saying this? How do you say his name? How do you say it? Jean de Bont. Yeah, he probably has a different way of kind of pronouncing it, but I almost want to say that's where I remember how how he pronounced it and whatnot. And you okay. know, like I always think because you know he's that guy who he was like a cinematographer, like on a ton of like huge movies, like Die Hard and mm-hmm. Basic Instinct, and even like things like I'm just probably not a huge movie to anybody, but like Flesh and Blood. Very interesting movie. I was like, oh, he's a cinematographer on that. And then it's like he did speeds, like, I'm going to direct something. And then, like, that went, you know, blew up. And then it felt like he could do whatever he wants. And it kind of sounds like even on this movie, like, that guy just kind of came in and just, you know, did, what well, wasn't, like, the greatest guy to work with. Not, not a, Like, n- nothing was ever his fault, let's say. He's one of those directors. It's always everybody else's fault. And uh, if I don't like shooting in one direction, let's uh, switch to the other side and see what happens. <laughs> hey, listen. He, he's method. He's got his way of doing things. He delivered two classics in a row in my book. Yeah, uh, we'll I agree too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 1996, this is the second highest grossing film in 96, I think. Right after Independence uh, Day. By, yeah, after, after Independence Day. So big hit, huge temple. This is an event film. You know, obviously you have, you know, advertising out the wazoo. This movie was everywhere. Has a big soundtrack because that's what they did in the 90s. You get some Shania Twain. And Van, Halen. <laughs> that's oh, and Van what, Halen. That's what I was like, it's got Van Halen on the soundtrack. And does, is it Van Halen with that third singer? I, was, I think maybe. I didn't listen to the Van Halen track. It's, it's like right around that same time period where there's that one album that they got that doesn't have David Lee Roth and doesn't have Sammy guy. guy. Yeah, it has that yeah. other guy. It's like they were, they were going for like the 90s thing with like, you know, everybody kind of tried. You know, Motley Crue kind of gave it a go with John Karabi, which I do like that album a lot. But, you know, I mean, everybody was trying something yeah. different. And then a couple of years later, it's like, no, 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 go back to what we had. Well, this is uh, at that time, you know, Shania Twain's really big. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, her husband was Mutt Lang, who I think he produced all the Def Leppard albums. He did a bunch of, like, hairband stuff and was big into that and kind of incorporated that into country a little bit, mm-hmm. a little. And then – uh yeah, so Shania was at her peak with this soundtrack. And, and I remember in the South, I don't know if it was this way where you live, in the South, she was somewhat polarizing because <laughs> she would she would show her belly button. Oh, yes, breaking all the rules. Yeah, she's breaking all the rules, all the, all the, in the Bible belt, that, that wasn't flying. She's, you can't buy that, Shania Twain, cassette. She's showing her belly button on the CMT. And, you know, <laughs> so it wasn't working out. 
And, uh, but yeah, it's, I, I like this song, you know, it was, it was a fun thing. And then of course, um, you know, starring Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, you got mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman and basically he plays Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is like a very Jack. Well, this is like that weird type here. Cause I was thinking like the exact same year, 1996, I was watching this again recently, but like in the cable guy of Jack Black. And I love how Jack Black plays like the straight man in that one. He's like the serious yeah. Jack Black role I've ever seen other than maybe like, um, you know, like King Kong or something like that. Like, yeah, he's like barely saying anything funny in that. He's just the friend. He's like, yo, what are you doing? Hang off that cable guy. He's weird. You know, didn't you see Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> yeah. So, you this... know, you get Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of doing that in this one. Just like really like chewing the scenery and having a good old time. Yeah, I read that you that um, in the in the uh, trivia that in the scene that we were referencing earlier, the suck zone where he's being ultra creepy like this is one of those that's one of those scenes where it wouldn't have flown today like it wasn't that bad but like if he was being all pervy and stuff they would have been like no you're a little rapey you gotta turn that down but um i read that at one point he crosses his legs like uh sharon stone (laughs) speaking of this of the cinematographer here (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you could see uh, his goods. You could see his goods. And they had to take that out of later releases. So I don't think if you're looking for see if, if you really want to see Philip Seymour Hoffman's balls, you're not going to see it on Netflix. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. But. Well, that makes you what it's like. So obviously that would have been in the theater cut. It sounded like because when I yeah. saw that, it sounded like they cut it out of the VHS and the DVD. Mm-hmm. It's one of those ones. It's like, oh, well, obviously I must have saw that then, you know. Ripe young yeah. age, old Philip Seymour Hoffman up there, just you know exposing it all. Hey, you know what? You know what? He went for it he at all times. He um, and this he's extra a little creepy in this, but I like him. So this is, um, you know, I, I guess an expose into uh, storm chasers and twisters and. Basically, this is just about a day in the life of these storm chasers, and they're trying this new technology. They're trying to get it up into this twister. They're trying to get this machine into the suck zone and get the stuff up into the twister, and like they'll learn all this new stuff. And uh, but there's all this like character stuff going on. Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, they're divorced, and all this stuff. So it's a real fun movie. And I mean, did you watch this one a lot when you were growing up? I did. It's like a this was one of yeah. the big deal. And not only that, like, I remember, like, going, because this was one of the ones I went and saw in theaters as well, too. And th- mm. this is, like, that kind of movie that, like, I don't know, I feel like this movie was massively huge for a good while. And it kind of just so slowly yeah. faded away as time went on. And this is, like, that olden days where, like, you literally, like, they would almost, like, have, like, brand new technology. And it's almost like you went to the theater to go see it. It almost had that feeling exactly. of probably how people in like the 19, like tens would go to the movies, be like, Oh, what are they going to show us this week? You know? Cause that was like, you, you almost don't get movies like that anymore. Cause I think CG is one of those ones. It's like nowadays it's just, it's whatever. It's just there. It's nothing's very important about it. Of course they don't do, you know, normal practical effects for the most part anymore. So there's never like those movies. It's just like, Hey, come see this marvelous thing we just created. You know what I mean? This was almost like one yeah. of those like last movies. I mean, this is like a big hurrah time period because you know you had Independence Day, you had Dante's Peak, you have Twister, and all these kinds of like huge movies are like come see the special effects, you know, Jurassic Park and all that stuff. You know, and it's by the two thousands kind of roll around. It's kind of like you know what, what are you gonna do? Who are you gonna impress after that? You know what I mean? Like yeah. everybody has. It's like anybody and their mother has like you know CG and all the effects that they need in their movie, and it's not that big of a deal anymore. 
But this is that well, one I mean, where it's like, oh my gosh, check this out. <laughs> well, no, oh, first of all, to, to to add on to that, the effects in this movie hold up pretty well, I thought. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I mean, there's some stuff, obviously, you could tell it's the 90s, but um, there's a lot of 90s movies when you go back and watch the CGI, you're like, oh, you almost cringe. It's like, uh, uh, this, this hurts my, it's like, I, I, it's like that uncanny valley thing almost where it's just like, something's not right. Something's not right. But this one holds up pretty well. And I mean, everybody was amazed at the time, um, you know, with the, the cow. Yeah, the, the cow, the <laughs> famous, it's even like on the, the cover the, of like one of the, I want to say one of the DVDs or something like that. <laughs> we've got cows. Um <laughs> I mean, it, that stuff is done pretty well. I mean, and and I feel like there's also some pretty good practical effects mixed in there too, especially like um, the scene in, towards, I guess, the middle of the movie where they're in the garage. Mm-hmm. They're kind of stuck in there and the tornado is hitting or just like everything falls to the ceiling. Like, <laughs> like oh, and here, here comes a beam and here comes the light post and here comes a car. <laughs> like everything falls, falls through the ceiling. Um, you know, I think all that stuff held up pretty well. No, I, I definitely um, think so. Yeah. So, I mean, this was a big film. I mean, obviously, you know, produced by Spielberg. Um, they, this was, um, I guess it was a joint collaboration, I guess, between Universal and Warner Brothers. I knew Universal was involved. And Amblin. So it was like three big old studios <laughs> together, whatnot. They got Michael Crichton <laughs> and, to write the script, you know what I mean? Because this is like that, like Michael Crichton, like just, you know, does all kinds of magic and, well, technically, he always says, Sirens movies, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Science movies. Well, you know, Wait, like the Thirteenth uh, Warrior. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was going to touch on that because Michael Crichton, you know, obviously at this time after Jurassic Park, everybody wanted whatever, and they they hyped it up. And with Congo, it didn't work. Yeah, um, at least from a monetary. I feel like we talk Congo every time we end up on a podcast like Congo comes up somehow. Well, it was like when we, did, that, when we did the Congo episode, it was like when I, when I went to rewatch it because I hadn't seen the movie for a long time. I'm like, I don't know what everybody's saying. I know everybody always kind of talks crap on the movie. I'm like, I, I kind of like Congo quite a bit. I always have a good time with uh, that film. It's <laughs> it's It has its moments where it's a, I kind of enjoy it. But I was, overall, I was pretty underpressed last time I watched it. But um, yeah, this is you know this is the other Michael Crichton film after Jurassic Park, and this one was a huge hit. This one's really good, and I think what makes this film work is like disaster movies after this, uh, you know, maybe twenty twelve, uh, day after tomorrow, different things like that. They get it's kind of the same formula where it's like crazy, unheard of weather phenomenon that makes no sense hits Earth. It's destroying all of Earth, but somehow only hits major cities like New York, <laughs> Philadelphia, Los Angeles. And then there's a guy who's estranged from his kids, and he's got to go help his kids. And that's usually the formula. So it would have been really easy for this film to be like, oh, okay, well, there's this crazy phenomenon when a bunch of twisters break out and all over, and this one guy knows how to stop the twisters or something. <laughs> you know, It would have been really easy to go that way. But instead, what they did was they went like, well, we're going to follow Storm Chasers. We're going to have this kind of camaraderie, this group, this kind of, they kind of romanticize it to an extent. Well, and, they're, they're very um, ragtag science. It makes, it's that kind of thing where you, you know that like, there's a bunch of people that afterwards they watch this movie like, man, I'm going to be a scientist. I'm going to be a storm oh. chaser. You know what I mean? It's almost that like yeah. Top Gun thing. I'm surprised that they, you know if, if, if there was money involved in probably this science thing, they would have booths outside of theaters to sign people up. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, 
this is uh, th- this really definitely glorifies um, the Storm Chaser craze. And there's you know there's two teams. Okay. Um, well, I, we'll back up a little bit. So kind of where the movie starts is uh, Bill Paxton wants a divorce. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> he's like every, like, he's perfect for this role, by the way. Oh, yeah, like they, totally. They wanted, they wanted a lot of other people. The only other per like, originally this was Tom Hanks. And I just can't picture Tom Hanks in this role. I mean, he's so great. And he would have killed it, obviously, because he's Tom Hanks, but... I just feel like Bill Paxton was perfect. The only other name that I read that made kind of sense was Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. And I could see him working in this, but this was perfect for, for Bill Paxton. Well, I really think that the thing that makes Bill Paxton is because, you know, in a sense, Bill Paxton is always kind of like, he's never really that star. He's kind of like a character actor, if anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Most of his movies, he's always like, you know, a, a C or D or B character kind of, and he's never really that. And I think by putting him kind of like, hey, he's your main character in this ginormous blockbuster movie, it makes it almost have a little bit more real of a feel. Like, if you would have had Tom Hanks, not saying he wouldn't have done awesome, not saying Kurt Russell would have, but, you know, you got your, like, you know, AAA actor in there, and it kind of just feels almost like Tom Hanks is, you know, chasing storms. It doesn't almost feel like as much of a real guy as it feels like Tom Hanks came to town to figure out what's going on. It's like if they would have put uh, Harrison Ford as Alan Grant in Jurassic Park. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, it it, would have taken away, you know, it's like, because that's why I think Harrison Ford works so well as Indiana Jones, because realistically, I mean, he had Star Wars, I guess, at that point, so take that back. Yeah. But um, beyond that, though, it wasn't like he had, like, all those other, like, characters stacked on top of each other yet, you know? Yeah. You can even say Blade Runner could have been that kind of weird by that point, because it's like, oh, he's already had all these ones, but that still works, too. Yeah. All those movies were kind of, like, in a very short amount of time. And it worked out, but yeah, Bill Paxton was perfect for this. And uh, he's kind of just your quintessential everyday man kind of thing. James Cameron uh, recommended him for this role because they're best buddies, you know, Alien. And he's, uh, what else was he in? He's True Lies. True Lies, okay. He's in Terminator, okay. the original, because he's the punk rocker guy that Arnold Schwarzenegger shoves oh, his arm through. Yes, yes, that's right. That, that's yeah. what I always think of him as, is that one. He, I think he's in almost every one of James Cameron's movies. In Titanic, he's in the very beginning. He's the research scientist. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't even think about Titanic. Yeah. Um, I always want to say he's even, he's even in Avatar, but I couldn't tell you who he was in that because I've only seen that movie once. I don't, I don't, oh, you've only seen it once? I've only seen it once. You should probably keep it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so Bill Paxton is, um, I guess, a former storm chaser. And the film just kind of th- it throws you into this scenario where all these bad things are about to happen at once. Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton are a estranged couple and Bill Paxton wants a divorce because he's got this new girl that he wants to marry and he's traveling through BFE, Oklahoma to, to find Helen Hunt uh, to get her to sign these divorce papers. And it just so happens to be on a day where it's going to be like the biggest tornado day in the history of tornadoes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just coincidentally, conveniently. And uh, Bill Paxton is the ex-leader of this team of ragtag storm chasing misfits. And he's coming to get the papers. And basically, through a series of events, he doesn't get the signature, but he gets wrapped up in this storm chasing day. And he, the first half of the film, he's trying to get away from it. The second half of the film, he's like super invested in it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's awesome. 
I love this dumb movie. Oh, <laughs> I really do. Well, the nice thing too about this movie is this movie just takes off right at the beginning. There's there's none mm-hmm. of that like thirty minute build up where we're getting like this backstory of like family and whatnot and so on. Like no no no, this movie it's like it starts off. It's nineteen sixty nine. Helen Hunt's like a little kid. There's this giant like F five like tornado coming in. She goes to like run into like the basement with like her mother and whatnot, and the dad's like holding down the shutters. He's like. Go to the back! Go to the back! And then next thing you know, that rips the door off and it just takes her dad away. And that's the last she ever sees of him. And she's like, that's it. I gotta, I gotta take down this store. <laughs> like, she's like, she's like waiting to like hunt down a dragon who just like ate her father. And like, she's like, once I become a knight, <laughs> I'm going out there and crusading. I'm learning everything there is to know about these. <laughs> so Helen Hunt is a, a, in this film an attractive storm chaser with daddy issues. Yeah. That- with, you also, know, storm issues. Yeah, well, there's all these all these things are kind of coming together. And you know what? I'm gonna say this real quick before I almost forget this idea. Something else I really like about this movie that like a lot of other disaster movies like never seem to always do is I like how there's no kids in this movie. You know, it's it's all adults. Yeah. Which, because you know, so many times it's always like you know, even movies I like. They always got to throw the kids in there, or they got to throw the family element in there, or even like things like I was saying, like the day after tomorrow, the Tom Cruise version, like that. Like, mm. they got to throw like the two worst kids, the kids that you just hope get vaporized at any moment, and they never do. Even like when you think that that one older boy, like, good, he ran away. I hope he fucking dies out there. And then it's like he comes back at the end, like, no, no, no. <laughs> he it's was like- dead to me by that point. No way is, is live action Goku boy coming back. <laughs> I, I that's like the it's the Carl syndrome from like Walking Dead, where it's just like I quit watching that show until they kill like just kill Carl, please for the love of God, just kill that character. I stopped watching for other reasons, but <laughs> that's how I used to feel watching Walking Dead, just like kill the kid. Yeah, you're right. There's, I mean, I think there's like a few kids in it, but like there are no major roles, like speaking parts or like yeah, influential parts like, where there's there's kids in the film like nobody on either the ragtime group of like helen hunt or like the ultra funded professional group of carrie elways has a single child on it everybody's an adult in this yeah. one which is almost kind of weird because a lot of times steven spielberg like kind of he has the problem because oh, yeah. he's like he's like well children worked out really well for me and then you know once again let's get to uh you know um not close encounters um uh day after not day after tomorrow um Shit, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Not Jurassic Park. <laughs> that's kids. That one works fine. War of the Worlds. Yeah, War of the Worlds. Jeez, I was like, that's the one where it's just like, no, 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 kids didn't work out that time. <laughs> like, yeah. You, that, that was where you screwed up the kids real bad, Steven. You know. Other than that, that's a good movie, but that those kids, God. Yeah. Dakota Fanning and Goku. Oh. Uh, I don't know how much uh, input he had on this film. I think because I read that Bill Paxton didn't talk to him until like a year and a half later. <laughs> Spielberg was like, "Thanks for the money." I mean, this was pretty much just he just col- he just funded this film with DreamWorks, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, no, DreamWorks was I don't. It was Amblin, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this this film is um, it's just it okay the, from a scientific meteor- meteorological standpoint. All right, if that's what you're looking for with this film, it's like a realistic storm chasing scenario. You just go watch a documentary. <laughs> because <laughs> this film is like very, very unrealistic. It's super sensationalized, but it doesn't matter. It's 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 like Rocky Four or one of those movies where you know it's dumb when you're watching it. Like I Rocky Four is dumb it's a bad movie that's my bad favorite dialogue. rocky i don't know why you're talking smack on that one it's it's, it's my it's mine too 
it's mine too, but I know it's bad. Like I watch it and I'm like, this is a, well, it's, I don't like it more than the first one, but when I watch Rocky IV, I'm like, man, this is terrible, but I love it. I don't care. This film's kind of like that, but it's, I think it's much smarter than people give it credit for. Like from a scientific perspective, it's very flawed, but I think people don't like the care. I like the characters in it. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the best parts about it. All the characters are really good. They're, are they kind of generic and predictable? Maybe, but it works. It wor- this film is just fun. Yeah, and I, I'll even say this: I don't think a lot of the characters are as generic as you like you sometimes see in other disaster films. Like I feel like they yeah, got a oh, lot. Yeah. There, there is a lot of character kind of going on, you know, in it and whatnot. You know, I mean, look at Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, he's he's got more character than probably anybody else on there. But even the rest of the team, they're kind of with. You know, even though some of them are like, you don't really realize, but like, you look something like, oh man, some of those people are like so 90s. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, just flannels and certain haircuts and what have you, and you know. And even just, you know, I guess just Bill Paxton's character and Helen Hunt and whatnot, and they just got that good chemistry and that good, like, they can argue, but you never you never feel like it's just like, oh, geez, not this again. Like, it, it, it's never like, it's never bad. It's all like smooth, feels kind of realistic at the same time for that part, and it works. And then even though you got Carrie Elways being a bad guy, which is not really a common thing for Carrie, it seems like. Um, he reminded me of his character in Days of Thunder in this. Oh, I guess that's true. I forgot he is, he is in that one, too. Yeah. And then he didn't play a bad guy again, I guess, until Stranger Things when he was the bad guy. He's like the mayor. Huh. Um, but um, like, I think I don't think that was season – maybe that was season three. I don't know. It was the season where there was a fair. I remember that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But Carrie always – so that's like the two intersecting elements of this film. So there's a day with a bunch of tornadoes. That provides all your action, your excitement. And it really does get really suspenseful and interesting. And the, the way they, you know, talk science in this film, I mean, it's probably ridiculous and all bullshit, but I still really get into it. <laughs> it's like the dio, dino DNA from Jurassic Park. Like, it's dumb. It's probably not ever going to work, but it seems like it is. So you buy it. Mm-hmm. And so you have the tornadoes and then you have the other element is Bill Paxton and his fiance are going to get these divorce papers. They get wrapped up in this storm chasing scenario, this historic day of tornadoes. And Bill Paxton just keeps like <laughs> leaving his fiance <laughs> with random people while he just throws her into the most dangerous scenario possible. Well, that's always the fair thing, too. It's like, oh, honey, uh, how about you go ride with the creepy fat boy? Uh, I'm going to go ride with my ex-wife. Exactly. <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, we're chasing storms. What do you think we're going to do? You know what I mean? It's not that big a deal. It's what we used to do. You know? Yeah. We're going to do all the things we used to do. Yeah. Um, and just uh, turn that CB radio off if you don't mind. Yeah, okay, cool. That, that was That's the only thing I think is kind of weird. There's that scene where, like, they almost kind of like confess to each other that like they still almost still like each other, and the CB radio is left on. And it's like, I'm like for the most part, like I don't know every CB radio I ever used, you always had to hold down some form of a button. Like is Helen Hunt just holding down that button like a jerk, and, like being like, I know where this is going. Probably, <laughs> yeah, probably because she definitely was pretending she was stalling and like pretending that she was busy, but she was definitely stalling. Mm-hmm. Um, but um. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry. Stalling. Apologize. Look at, look at you and your stall. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm stalling too. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Um, <clears throat> so yeah, you have that element and then you have Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt and you're like, oh man, I hope they end up together. And you have this whole romantic thing going on. And then you have the fiance, which she isn't a, like, they don't, they do pretty well with that character. She's not a bad person. Mm-hmm. You just like, she doesn't fit in the movie. So she's annoying in that context because it's like, we're trying to chase storms and we're trying to, you know, be all badass and whatever. And she's just like whining, complaining, but she's acting like most of us would. And that's <laughs> the scenario, but you hate her anyway, but she's not really a bad character. So you have that whole element. And then you have the Carrie Elwes element that they added to it where they, they got corporate sponsors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Oh God, they're being sponsored by Pepsi. I see how this is going. <laughs> oh yes. Pepsi really did tie themselves into this movie. Like they did everything else in the nineties. No. Um, um, <clears throat> there's a, yeah, so Carrie Elwes's character is, you know, they, the first time you see these like two groups together, they intersect on a road and it's like, you got Bill Paxton and his nice new Dodge Ram, and it's awesome and then every other every other vehicle in their uh like their little uh posse i guess their little convoy Convoy, yeah 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 their little convoy is basically duct tape (laughs) you know (laughs) falling apart so they're like the plucky underdogs and then you've got carrie elwes they got these big giant black gmc i think i don't know what it is but it's badass and they're, they're definitely funded and turns out carrie elwes is a dick and he <laughs> stole bill paxton's idea and said his little balls that go into the tornado are actually squares yeah that's that's, that's how he gets it. around the copyright <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like what's it shows that like at some point these guys used to all work together and then carrie well carrie Elwes is like, it's like oh he sold out like well no he he probably just more advanced his business. Like those, like those kind of things you sort of see, and you go like, I know that like you always want to villainize the guy who decides to like up the business ante, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know, I I, I feel for Carrie always. Like I get it, you know what I mean? There was an offer on the table, and he decided, you know what, we need some more money here. I'm sick and tired of like waking up next to Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, shirtless in the same hotel room with me. <laughs> If 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 um, Pepsi wants to sponsor me as a storm chaser, I'm taking it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, we could die at any moment. Yes, I'm signing that contract. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I don't know. When I was watching the movie, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't really have any hate towards Carrie Elway's character. I, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I totally well, get it. I know they want me to hate yeah, him, but I, I get it. <laughs> I don't hate him for selling out, but I do. It, it, he did steal an idea, like completely stole it, mm-hmm. which is douchey. Yeah. He, he went like, Thomas what, Edison on, on them. Yeah. Like what <laughs> if somebody came out with a podcast called old man citrus, you wouldn't be a little pissed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd be like, Hey, hey. <laughs> unless it directs more views to mine because they get confused and they think that they're listening to it. Like then I'd be like, well, you know, maybe it's all working out for the better. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh man! Just oh, just right off as one of those ones where it's like the Lord works in mysterious ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So basically, the whole movie is they have three or four of these Dorothy machines. Bill Paxson's group. I, yeah, I think they almost have four of them because they release like two of them. Yeah, in the which they always kind of throws me off. And it, the one they always thought, even as a kid, I remember when I first time watched it, like. 
there's a the part where like it just like tips over. It's like, well, can't you just pick that back up and throw them back in there? Like, no, yeah, no, no, it's I done, thought... man. It's done. That's it. It's gone. Leave it. It tipped over. I'm like, it tipped it over. Just... Does it have to be sitting a certain way to get into the suck zone? Does yeah, it, like, like wouldn't just wouldn't the tornado just even if it didn't like suck the whole machine up, wouldn't it p- pick those up off the ground even easy? Pick the cow up the ground. <laughs> no, no, you you see that's the thing. They needed Pepsi later on. If they didn't have the Pepsi cans. No, and a little bit of Mountain Dew sprinkled that, in there, too. That's a, a, a lot of the, just, there's a few Mountain Dew cans poking out. It's like, yeah, because I think the, I think the director stepped in, like, who's going to have a bag full of just Pepsi cans? Oh, Mountain Dew? Okay. Yeah. That's it? Yeah, no, no okay. Diet Pepsi? Oh, okay. Was, okay. <laughs> it's a little on the nose. Can we just throw, like, one cup can? In? No. Absolutely not. No, Coke's no. not sponsoring this. But yeah. Pepsi said specifically in their clause, no Coke cans. <laughs> what if, wouldn't it have been funny if like, so basically they use Pepsi cans, they cut them into like little wings. They get inspired by Helen Hunt's aunt. Uh, I guess we'll touch on that. But anyway, he, they cut these little things together to put on top of the balls so they'll get sucked into the tornado and spin up. Mm-hmm. But I think it would have been funny if Carrie Elwes like tried to copy it and his was Coke. So <laughs> yeah. he had the coke. He had coke and maybe some Dr Pepper or something like that. Yeah. And then and then he dies. So that's like <laughs> that. That would be the lesson, the moral of the story for Pepsi for a new generation. And, and and then there's a third team that comes in, just newbies, and they got Dad's root beer or something. <laughs> RC Cola. Who are these? Who are these nobodies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that would have been great um so yeah basically the whole movie is them helen hunt and bill paxton working out their marital issues while trying to dangerously throw this machine into a tornado when you put it that way it sounds stupid it's so awesome <laughs> and it is it really is it, it it really is just amazingly fun the whole way through like like, it's like, if you want, like, a movie where you just have nothing but a good time, this is totally it, by far. Like, whole way. Oh, yeah. I, I <clears throat> when I, it had been a long time since I rewatched this movie, and I had been wanting to do it for quite a while. And it's on Netflix. I actually own it. I had bought it, like, a couple months ago. I forgot I'd done that. And I was like, I'll, you know, I'll pop this in and watch it. And I loved it. I was invested from the, the you know, Right from the very beginning, kind of has not the same structure as Speed, but kind of like it throws you into it like Speed. And it's mm-hmm. really, really exciting. And then, you know, you have something for everybody. You have a little bit of comedy. You have action. You have the love story. So this is like it's hitting every cylinder. You can bring the whole family to this. And, uh, well, maybe not the whole family, but most of the family. Yeah, pretty much anybody. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like it's one of those ones like – I guess I saw this when I was eight years old, or whatever, whenever it came out, give or take eight or nine. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, bring up a lot. Of me. I saw Jurassic Park when I was like all of like six or five, and I sat by myself in the theater. So like, probably like everybody else around is like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> like those parents, they just let let that kid just anywhere of this like terrific like you know carnivorous movie. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I was how old was that when Twister came? I was eleven, going on twelve this movie came out and um i remember being really pumped for it like i can remember the hype for this one i remember i always thought the shania twain song for it was whose bed is your boots been under but i was wrong that's a different song and this <laughs> the song is um 
has nothing to do with tornadoes or anything like that. But I remember it playing everywhere. And I just, this film was just like on every corner. They ended up making a ride for Universal. Did you ride it? You, didn't you say no, you it, 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 that? No, that one was in Florida. It wasn't at the Hollywood. Okay. You know. <laughs> It, I love how like it was replaced. I was thought of like it was replaced by like some Jimmy Kimmel's like walk through New York thing. It's like it's always amazing whenever you hear that. Like that's the ride you replaced, like the Twister one. Twister. Now, I mean, great. Like because over here, like in the Hollywood, this is the ride that was kind of like the I sounded kind of like what the Twister ride sort of was. But this version, we had a backdraft one in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and that's the one like like i think about that nowadays like if they still had that there and they had it there for a long time i think they got rid of it like maybe like mid 2000s or something like that but like even then because that's another one of those movies that like just like twister was humongous when it came out it was such a big deal but it kind of after a couple years sort of fell under the radar and just kind of disappeared i mean if you ask somebody they'd be like oh yeah i remember that but it wasn't like it was just brought up in conversation like you know like independence day seems to be like you never go through like a year without hearing independence day at some point i think because it's tied into a holiday that movie will always continuously come back around no mm-hmm. matter how long we go into it it's literally gonna be like one of those movies like a citizen kane or like a gone off the wind like and i know some people be like what that don't you dare put that movie in the same camp. like i kid you not in a hundred <laughs> years i bet you they'll still be playing like, put, independence day that. On t- well, on whatever they got in the future, they'll still be playing that movie every Independence Day. <laughs> they'll take movies to suppositories. <laughs> Guess what? I showed up my ass today. Independence Day. <laughs> yeah, um, it'd be like what's well, like, you know, like on Christmas, you go see It's a Wonderful Life. Well, on Independence Day, you go see Independence Day. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I don't know. This, this film is, uh, it did fall kind of under the radar for a little bit, but it made a ton of money. It was absolutely massive when it came out. I used to watch this one all the time. It, it, you know, like I said, I hadn't watched it in a long time, but this was on repeat when I was a kid, and I kind of, I kind of had a little bit of a thing for Helen Hunt, just a little bit. Oh yeah, they, they, they were because yeah. I just remember seeing like a lot of those movies in theaters. Like it was just like almost as like a younger kid. It's like you know, when saw Twister, you know, when saw as good as it gets. When saw, um, mm-hmm. I went to like a girl's birthday party, and we went to go see what women want. I was like probably like the only guy in there. You know, oh, I forgot. I forgot about that one. You know, with Ben Gibson like and whatnot. That. That, that, that is a good one, too. And it's like, there's these movies that were just these massive... Castaway. Yeah, Castaway, she was, you know, she played in that one, too. And you know what's the weird thing, though, is like, about after about Castaway, or like, what women want, I can't remember which one came before. They're like, I think the same year. But um, Helena Hunt, I mean, she's still in stuff, but like, she kind of fades away as being in those like, massively huge movies. Yeah. She um kind of, her character in this one's kind of similar to a Ellie Sadler from Jurassic Park mm-hmm. kind of got similar vibes to that a little bit, but except she, um, I don't know. She's definitely got a thing for Bill Paxton still. She can't let that go. She's got tornado issues, daddy issues, but <laughs> she's like determined. She's badass, and she's like, I'm getting this. I'm getting Dorothy into the tornado, come hell or high water. And um, I like her character in this. And um, they don't damsel in in distress with her too much like she's just in the thick of it like right where bill paxton is and they just kind of work together no matter what the situation is but um and then you got the rest of that crew you got um cameron from uh ferris bueller oh that's right i didn't put two and two together but yeah, that's totally him well he's in speed also he's in uh he's the he's the one guy in speed the yokel guy he says Oh, I'm just a tourist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he's in both those movies and um, he's got his part. He has a little bit more speaking part in uh, speed though, but he, um, yeah, this, it's kind of a fun thing where they're just kind of traveling the countryside, like a bunch of tornado pirates. And they, um, they go to Helen Hunt's aunt's house and they eat the best breakfast I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh yeah. And that's like the whole thing. I've heard they're just like, we're hungry, hungry. Helen, take us to your like aunt's house. Come on, let's go. And they just all like storm in there. Probably the aunt's like, Oh geez, not these guys again. I mean, like I like them. They're nice and all, but every single time they want me to cook a breakfast for like, you know, a lumber crew. Yeah. And that Philip Seymour Hoffman guy keeps asking for seconds, thirds, fourths, and fifths. But did you see the steak? How could he need more than one? That was like a giant T-bone. So massive. Like two legs. Gosh. It made me almost want to move to Oklahoma for like two seconds. And then I'm like, no. The one time I was in Oklahoma, or the couple times I went to Oklahoma, I remember always like the the couple restaurants went through. They "They were all super good. (laughs) I was always super impressed. Oh yeah! Once you cross like Oklahoma and especially going to the South, everything tastes good. <laughs> everything is, and, and and on every corner you can all you're you're never in like any like you know spare of fried chicken. It's it's all the it's everywhere. California's actually becoming mm-hmm. kind of like that nowadays. Nowadays you can almost get good fried chicken just about anywhere in California. That wasn't that wasn't the case like less than five years ago. <laughs> it seemed like here in the South, Publix, the grocery store Publix, that's where oh. you get the fried chicken. It's good, good fried chicken. <laughs> Shout out to Publix. Also, Bojangles. I think it's, I think pretty much any incarnation of via, via VHS has to talk about Bojangles in an episode. At some point. <laughs> it's like Bojangles and Cheerwine. Those are like, I don't, I'm not saying they sponsor the show. I, they don't. But if but they, if they to, want to, they could. I'd totally be Carrie Elwes. So <laughs> I'd sell out in a heartbeat. Yeah, why not? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't be doing this anyway. If you want to give me money to do it, I know that yeah. th- this is so off topic, but when I had like the whole like cancer thing or whatever, I was going to Popeye's checking because it was on the way home. And I was like, because they tell you, it's like, you get this point where your white blood cells so low. It's like, well, I guess I could always have fried chicken and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I was like, I came in there so many often. So like, can I get like a sponsor? Like, would you want to sponsor me like a cancer victim? Like, oh, cancer victims can eat here. <laughs> because it's like the only thing. It's like, I can't have any fresh vegetables. It's like funny. It's like, can't have any vegetables. Can't have anything that's like, you know raw or sushi or any of that stuff you know what i mean i used to always make the joke it's no sushi no salads no none of that stuff it's got to be cooked to the max what's cooked to the max fried chicken <laughs> i like your style you, you not only were you victimized by your unfortunate circumstances but also those popeye's biscuits man oh. they're like that's like that's like putting like margarine on a on a uh baking soda tablet and putting it in your mouth you want some biscuits dude Bojangles. If you if you're ever in North Carolina, I'm gonna make it happen. I'm getting you some Bojangles. You won't even like you won't even know what Popeyes is anymore. You're like what? Yeah, it, it was just erase that from you know memory and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, it was just move here. Um, but anyway, back to Twister. Yeah. So I mean, look, this film I think it holds up well. I think it it's still really really fun. I was honestly invested in it the whole way through. I. I mean, I'm surprised they never made a sequel. I don't know how you would make a sequel to it, but it seems like they would find a way (laughs) to do that. But And they never did, which kind of makes it better because all you have is this. You only have this one. It's not been tainted by a bunch of, like, subpar, you know. And this film is kind of underrated, especially from a critical standpoint. I don't understand why 
people were so down on it. I mean, it is kind of dumb, but I don't think the characters were bad. I feel like I actually really liked everybody. Even the bad guys were really good at being bad guys. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that too because I didn't. That's something that I just never knew about because everybody I knew, this is one of those films that was just like people loved it. Like, I, and then I saw like that critical response. Even like Cisco Beaver, they're like, eh, "It's okay if you feel like being stupid for an hour and a half." And it's just like, oh, that's, that's not a very see, nice review. <laughs> I, no, like uh, Roger Ebert is my favorite movie critic of all time. So let me just say that before I say this. But when it comes to movies like this. He he perplexes me because like he hated this movie, but he loved Anaconda. <laughs> like he loved Anaconda. Like he, he's got like this rave review about it, and then he hated Gladiator. And I'm like, why? How do you hate? You know. Yeah, well, but yeah, that's always kind of like Larry Moulton because Larry Moulton's always kind of my like go to guy for like a classic like he is film great. reviewer. And so, but every once in a while, it's like he'll have certain ones where it's just like, what? Like, was he just in a bad mood that day? Like, I, I, that yeah. can't be that can't be true. Like, you know. And I think that is a sort of like after you just when you're just like forced to watch you know like five movies a day. I think sometimes it's just like if you just happen to be in that day, you're like, screw this movie, stupid tornado, What's a big deal, whatever. I've seen a tornado before. <laughs> whatever, tornado chasing movie, two and a half stars. Call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely true. I, somebody was suggesting recently, and I can't remember who the director was, so y'all have to look this up. But uh, they were suggesting that after 10 years, uh, a movie that's been on Rotten Tomatoes 10 years gets a chance to be revisited, and their score gets a chance to be revisited. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great idea. I think this score would be higher. I think it's a 54 or something like that. Yeah, I think this. I think this film would have a better score if it was reassessed, uh, because it is. It's just the entertainment value usurps the thing, the flaws with the film. And I didn't find like usually with movies like this, I end up like I want. There's certain points where I roll my eyes. I'm just like, oh, really? And there's moments in this film that I should do that, but it is so engaging, and the sound is so good, and it's just like so menacing that. Like, yeah, I'm in it. And um, so high marks for Twister all around. I, you know, any, any last uh, comments on the old Twister there on the suck zone? Well, you know, one thing I think is kind of interesting is that this is also like the first DVD to ever come out. And I can mm. literally remember because I had, I had one of those friends that was like one of those ones like their parents just they bought like everything. You know, what I mean, like when like they had all the laser discs so i got like to go over there and venture through and watch all these great movies and nice widescreen presentation in the 90s and i can remember they had the old i always call them the flippy folds of like the warner brothers ones where like you click the plastic open and it has like the flappy like cardboard i can picture that that exact twister copy right now in my head and go oh yeah i totally remember that one i mean like i i have mine right now i have the blu-ray one but but having that old flippy fold one i was like oh this would have been Everybody that movie that's like would have sold you on a DVD player practically, especially if you threw some special features on there too to top it off. And especially if you had like surround sound, because this movie's sound was legit. Yeah. Um, so, so was much, it so, THX? I, it might be, because it's Industrial Light Matters as a special effects, so I couldn't see why it wouldn't be. Though. Oh, I don't it's got to be. The, yeah. And this is one of those movies too where John DeBont just like, he sent out letters every, to every theater. And it's like, yo, crank this stuff up whenever you play it. Cause that's how you get the full effect. So everybody did that and it blew out like a bunch of people's like surround sounds in their theater. Probably so pissed at that guy. Like stupid guy is fucking 
Where is he from? Like Sweden or whatnot? Like stupid Swedish guy or whatnot. Give me like a letter telling me to turn my speakers up. And then I didn't know he was going to have the booming tornado come in that's going to blow everything out. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that, this movie I could definitely see wrecking some surround sounds, especially back in the day, especially even at home in the early 90s. Um, yeah, man, this, this film, I. A huge nostalgia factor for this film holds up well. CGI is still pretty good. It's still 90 CGI, but still, I, I mean, definitely very passable. Um, and so definitely watch Toy Story. Definitely recommend it. If I was going to give it a number score and remember there's no algorithms to these, I'm going to give this, look, I'm going to give this film an eight. An yeah. eight. A solid eight. I, I really, I mean, it's, it's definitely not intelligent. From a scientific standpoint, but from an action movie standpoint, it's really, really good. Paced really well. So, yeah, Twister. Um, I guess we got to do Speed soon. We got to do that at some point. We should, because that's what I was once. I watched it again because I hadn't watched it in a long time, about a couple months ago, and I was like, that's, a, that's another movie you, you put on. The whole way through, you almost kind of forget that you're just watching it. You're like sucked in so much from beginning to end. It's you know, it's no different than Twister. You're just you're into it the whole way through, and it's just like, man, this movie's good. Beginning to end, fun factor is through the roof. You know, like those are just those time periods where they just made just such dialed in films. That's just how could you not like those ones? Like it almost feels like those ones. I feel like when somebody tells me like they don't like those movies. Unless for some reason they got some weird thing against it, like I hate bus drivers or something like that, or like you know tornadoes, like you know that that killed my father. I saw the beginning scene; that was that was literally my story. Like, oh, okay, I got you. But beyond that, beyond that, that's like one of those ones. If it's like you can't get in this, I just feel like you, what you hate fun. Like that's just what I feel like. <laughs> exactly. It's just that kind of thing. At the end of the day, like what's wrong with you? Like you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It's it's the it's the modern day equivalent. It's like a Jurassic World where it's not good <laughs> but it the the entertainment factor is so high that it just elevates it past its flaws it really does and so if you haven't seen twister before it's on netflix right now i think still um, i think so yeah or it's on prime it, i think too, it, as well it might be yeah so i mean there's a couple places to watch it if it's not on there when you watch this review it's the, uh, it's definitely worth plucking down a few dollars and watching something especially if you want to reminisce back to 90s and corporate sponsor tie-ins and soundtrack tie-ins. I don't think there was a fast food tie-in for this thing, and I'm very disappointed for that. I didn't find one. I don't remember one, to tell you the truth. You know, cause That's, I, I feel like I would have had to, because I, I kept all those cups. Anything I could find, like oh, yeah. if Burger King or Taco Bell or anything had a cup, like I, I kept them. I have a huge mm. stack full of those, and I don't have a Twister one, so that's kind of my indication that there probably wasn't. Yeah, I'm really shocked by that, because this is definitely tie-in, like, centric. But maybe... I guess I don't know how close this was to Independence Day. Maybe Independence Day swallowed that up. But again, I don't really remember tie-ins for Independence Day either. I got a, just... I got a fun Independence Day like door magnet. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 one it's holographic too. Like back remember when they had holographic cool stuff? Mm-hmm. So like you twist oh. it back and forth and you can watch the White House blow up and over and over again. It's probably the same thing that Sam bin Laden had in his like <laughs> cave. <laughs> <laughs> just twist it back and forth. <laughs> uh, let's go, America. Um, no, probably, probably. I, well, actually, 
Independence Day had one title. It was that Fruitopia machine. I always remember it every time I see it. Every like there's that one scene. They're getting ready to go to the roof, I think. Yeah. And uh, I got like, oh my god, I gotta call my mother. And like right there, <laughs> right there next to it's the Fruitopia machine. And I'm just like, oh man, that's '90s. That's you want to date the hell out of a movie? Throw some Fruitopia in it. Yep. But um. <laughs> so anyway. Um, Thanks for listening to the review on Twister. I hope you had as fun as we did watching it and talking about it. Um, let us know what you think in the comments below if you're watching this on YouTube or if you aren't watching this on YouTube and you just hear the podcast and you want to yell at me. I guess you can go to Twitter at Via VHS and you can yell at me there. And um, also in the links below, you'll see a link for Pizza Boys with, uh, with a Z. Boys with a Z. Um, that's, your, that's your comic. So, um, you know, shut that thing out, obviously. But uh, also, any any other things that you want to mention? Any last parting thoughts for Twister? Last parting thoughts? I don't know. It's just one of those ones, like, it, it really reminds me of, like, almost, like, you don't get movies, I feel, that, like, have that, like, grand scale. There was, like, the 90s was the last time period of movies that felt, like, massive and huge. You know what that I mean? That weren't superheroes. Yeah. Well, because, yeah. you know, well, nowadays, I, th- I think this is... What makes movies feel so small nowadays is that I can tell that they're all shot like on like a green screen for the most part, and that always makes a movie feel so small. Like when you have these real-world locations, even if you throw CG in there, but like it's still in a real-world location, and you got the massive like widescreen presentation, you know, I think a lot of those like, you know, um, Kevin Costner movies, like he was like... Whether or not you like the movies, yeah. he was the master of like the large-scale, like over-the-top, like huge adventure movie whether it be the postman or Waterworld or dances with wolves you know even like wyatt earp and so on like those movies that just feel so big twister's one of those ones that's like that and as i said i just don't think you get movies like that at all you just that scale is just not there anymore i just n- nobody's willing to fund that kind of stuff you know and i mean yeah granted i get it like once you want to save some money but like that to me is what makes these movies so magical it's like no matter what I can't get that same experience anymore, but I can always go back in time and really like relish in it. And mm-hmm. Twister, huge. I agree. You know, this is a perfect huge. movie. It's like if you're going to have like your own outdoor movie theater with like a 150 inch screen and whatnot, boy, you could tear it up with like Twister out there. Well, anyway, thanks for listening to Via VHS. Um, find us at on uh, <clears throat> Twitter at Via VHS. Go be sure to go check out the Old Man Orange podcast. Um, Indie Comics Central, isn't that the other podcast? Yeah, we got the Indie Comics Club podcast. Oh, yeah, Indie Comics Club. I knew there was a thing like that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, check, check us out on Twitter at Via VHS, Instagram at Via VHS Pod. Let us know what you think about Twister. If you've never seen it, go watch it and uh, enjoy the Sug Zone. And Via VHS is out. Thanks again for listening to the Old Man Orange Podcast. Sure, check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, cartoons, music, animation, and a whole lot more. We also have the Old Man Orange blog going with all kinds of fun stuff. If you easily want to support the show, use one of our Amazon links either on the website or in the description of the podcast below. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show either on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Newgrounds, or anywhere else that you seem to get this podcast from. Grab the sitcom-styled comic book Pizza Boys on either Comic Central, Comixology, or Amazon. Want more podcasts? Check out the Indie Comics Club over at Comic Central. I also got a workout website called Thor's Hidden Gym. 
filled with fitness tips and tricks, videos, and a whole lot more fun stuff in the calisthenics world. Talk to us on Twitter, at Spencer S. Holmes and Dunnigan Ryan. Like our Facebook pages of Old Man Orange Productions and Pizza Boys Comic. Thanks again. We're out of here.